Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel where we review a new movie including everything that comes after the credits. I'm your co-host Zachary Shevich and joining me, he's afraid of snakes, it's Arturo Zurita. And de-aging. That, that's, that's the scariest <laughs> one that they've had in, the, in this round. <laughs> Yeah, we all the digital de aging comes for all of us someday, and uh, Harrison Ford has been, I think, the subject of it more than once. Right? Am I am I misremembering really? some Star Wars stuff, or, or no? Nah, he, he just looks slick. That was the Force. That was the Force, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we also brought on somebody who needs no digital de aging. Our buddy from Movie Files, it's Elliot. What's going on, man? Are you excited to talk Whoa. some Indiana Jones? I am, man. This is the last adventure for an iconic character brought to us by, I think, uh, maybe this new modern age, Steven Spielberg and James Mangle. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, first, but we'll see. Words, we'll see. Big words. But, yeah, uh, I mean, very excited to talk about this final chapter with this uh, amazing character, Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, you're alluding to one of the biggest fran- changes in this franchise because Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the fifth in the Indiana Jones series is the first one that comes neither directed by Steven Spielberg nor written by George Lucas, the iconic filmmakers who've collaborated on one of these iconic characters. Uh, They've instead handed the reins over to James Mangold, who is not a stranger to uh, a big blockbuster action film between his work on movies like Ford v. Ferrari or Logan. Uh, He can stage a big action set piece, uh, although, you know, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny also contends with Harrison Ford as it's at its center. The 70-something-year-old actor when he was filming this, I think, 80-year-old <laughs> actor now, uh, who does get a bit of a digital facelift for the film, at least in, at the onset of it, uh, is leading another one of these films that they... Haven't handed the reins over to Mutt Williams or Chris Pratt yet. Uh, in fact, we do find a bit of an update uh, to Mutt in this chapter. Uh, but Art, why don't you kick us off some with some thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? You know, uh, James Mangold at its center instead of Steven Spielberg. How do you think the director adapted to this iconic franchise? Well, first off, this is the last one. It's supposed to be the last one since the last one was the last one. So considering yeah, that this is a director <laughs> who has already made the last of what was supposed to be Logan, only for it to not be the last of Logan, you know, it's one of those goodbyes, but not really. It's it's a finale see you later, pretty much, for uh, what it is as of now. Um, and overall, I thought it was a decent blockbuster for what it's worth. We kind of talked about in our weekly show how all of these newer movies can get really close to having the uh, energy that the previous ones had. But there's one clear difference, and it's not the actors. I wouldn't even say it's the script writing. It's these digital sets that I think take away from what used to be these really big sprawling set pieces that almost made you feel like you were at the amusement park with them, you know, when you go see that Indiana Jones show. And and I I don't think uh, having a lot of close-ups where you can tell that they may have shot some stuff outside with some actor on a horse and some actors on, on cars chasing each other down very narrow streets. The moment you zoom in, you, you can see a little haze. You can tell that it, it's not fully there. So it's this push and pull of, I do think they get some of that uh, charisma, some of that energy back in some sequences. And then in other times, they'll, they'll just cut in a little bit and it'll remind you, 
ah, yes, it's kind of been updated in sadly not the best ways. You know, that feels like a reverse time travel to me, the way that we've been doing some of the effects. Uh, Whereas some of the older ones, they just, they do stand the test of time. But overall, that was pretty good. And I like the surrounding cast, but I think Elliot is the bigger fan of Indiana Jones than all of us here. I know Zach has never liked the movies. (laughs) I don't even like Harrison Ford. Uh, We haven't had that connection to it. So I don't, I don't know how like, true diehard fans of them will be because um, this is a series that has been expanded yeah. for a long time and they do some different things with Indiana Jones. Right. Elliot, why don't you uh, yeah, tell us what you feel as, as somebody who has a strong appreciation for the franchise. What are the elements that Dial of Destiny does right in terms of Indiana mm-hmm. Jones? And maybe are there some things that it doesn't really feel like the Indiana Jones you know and love? Sure. I'll touch on the the negative first, because it is something that artists kind of touched on. The the magic of those 80s, yeah, magic. let's make something from our hands, no digital visual effects, practicality was a big thing. You're missing some of that. And mm-hmm. that's kind of by default because of the times we're in. It's cut corners, visual effects are easier to build a set. Uh, so I kind of understood that. And that was something that I did lack from the film. was like that, that pure magic going on adventure with Indy and the crew. But the thing that I think James Mangold was able to capture and especially being a fan of just the character is not ignoring the elephant in the room that not only is the actor in their late 70s now in their 80s but the character is now in their approach i believe indy's like 60 65 in this film and they don't ignore that Uh, and i love that they play into the idea that indy isn't the old indy he can't punch a bunch of people and get out of a, a situation or use his whip to get from one area to the next he has to use his surroundings, he has to use his smarts, he has to use the, the wisdom that he's gained over the years. So I love that James Mangle, this is probably, if I'm being honest, the most, besides um, The Last Crusade, this one is the most character-driven Indiana Jones film mm. because we are kind of diving into the idea of what is it about you know, Junior, as his dad will call him in, in The Last Crusade, what is it about him that he loves and he's so enamored with history and he's now becoming history in 1969 with the, with the race, you know, the space race and all that. So how is a man that's been so involved in the, capturing the Temple of Doom or capturing the Raiders Ark, how does someone look at the time that he's in? He's kind of an old capsule. So I love how Mango kind of tackled the man, the person, how he's always trying to be in history because he can't face the realities that he's in today. So I love that they didn't ignore the fact that Indiana Jones isn't your your hero from the past, but he's a, a new hero for a new age uh, in this film. And I thought Harrison Ford, who I think right now is just diving into another side of his career that is very intriguing to me, whether it's this or shrinking, um, I really enjoyed his performance in this film a lot. But more importantly, like I said, James Mangle did a pretty impressive job. It was lacking on the, the venture side of it, but the character mm-hmm. stuff was really what was shine through with this one uh, for me. Yeah, and like what film. you're talking about, like Harrison Ford is such a... Uh, charismatic screen presence that even though I feel like he's definitely lost a lot of the physicality, particularly like any t- time wow. you need him to move I'd quickly. look like 70 year old. I mean, yeah, he's Ford, very I, I'd impressive. Take that. He's very impressive for it, for his age, but compared to like your average action star, he's moving a little bit more slowly. Uh, and the, you know, the cuts compensate for it here and there, but you can tell he's not exactly moving super quick to escape the people chasing You're him like down. The four cuts to get on a horse. <laughs> Uh, but for for whatever he is now lacking in the the physicality that he once brought to the role, like he, there is a kind of pathos that I feel like 
has been earned over the course of all these films that when there's sort of like a a kind of swan song moment towards the end of the film that we'll we'll talk about in more detail later like he kind of he's believable in that kind of and like looking back at his life kind of way and uh, it adds a quality a melancholic quality to a lot of this that I don't know if you would ascribe to a lot of the Indiana Jones movies, but yeah, uh, for for what Harrison Ford lacks in some ways, he he brings some new qualities to uh, this most recent one. Although it does the complication of having an older Harrison Ford does bring up a different dilemma that I know Art and I have. Uh, picked some gripes with before because the movie opens up not in, I guess, like Indiana Jones present day of uh, the post the moon landing, but in 1944, which requires a bit of digital de-aging. And I, I feel like, you know, it's not perfect, but it looks not terrible for the most part as long as it's not moving too much but what you can't match is the voice and when you see what looks like a 30 something or maybe 40 something year old looking Harrison Ford and, and he's talking kind of gruff like that it just is a, it's a bit goofy uh, but Art like, you were even less convinced by the visual of it than me I, I do not care for it at all it looks like the best graphics in a cutscene but that's, that's like the most I can give it we just know when you are cutting between de-aging somebody and then a real actor, mm. like, you're going to tell the difference. That, that's There's all I'm saying. There's something that's and, almost, and, and, like, it, too blemish-free in the digital de-aged yeah. faces, right? Yeah, yeah it's, like, f- clear but fuzzy still yeah. to some degree. Um, I do agree with you. If he's, you know, sunken in the shadows facing the other way, yeah, it looks great. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, no, I'd rather them do what they were able to do with the character of Helena when it came to flashbacks, and that's just cast somebody younger um it's also sequences where i I, personally i feel they're kind of just adding the these sequences to be able to flex the de-aging you know sometimes i wonder how many of these movies because their franchises are things where they will have the ability to invest the money in because they will have uh box office returns for them you know i think of the lion king how they were you know extending a lot of things there in order to uh test new visuals the Good Dinosaur, one of Zach's favorites, was a movie that was really just practicing with water in terms of animation. So I don't see the de-aging being as pivotal for an opening other than, than it, you know, kind of being the way Marvel has used it for their intros as well. For me. For me. Yeah, I mean, I feel yeah. like there's definitely, like, a nostalgic element. I mean, this franchise, it, it, I mean, at least the reason to return to this franchise for yet another sequel is largely banking on people's nostalgia for how it was, how it felt, how they felt. And just to get that glimpse of, like, oh, that's that's the Harrison Ford I, I remember and that I, I fell you? in love with on the big screen. For, for some people, I feel like that there's some appeal in that. But, yeah, I mean, to me, it doesn't really do that for me. It, I, I just feel the like zombification of it you know it's irishman when he was kicking and you could tell that he wasn't the <laughs> yeah, same age i wasn't weird. thinking back to raging bull <laughs> <laughs> yeah the d i've always been confused about the handling of de-aging versus deep fake and it seems like deep fake mm. to me just seems to work out a little bit better uh, i think you know the mandalorian with the, the luke skywalker and things of that nature but i'm i'm, I'm kind of in the same boat the biggest thing that kind of took me out in that opening scene was the more the visuals I can be a little bit forgiving for because it's almost like 
I'll just put myself in the mind like Indy was ima- like reimagining that time that he was in, so it's maybe you know in his mind. You know, I'm using an Andy Muschietti. Uh, it was meant to be <laughs> off-putting type of uh, discussion here, but the voice was very uh, distracting because why not just use like archival again? Just mix yeah. it. You have sound mixing. Try to mix the voice with the look. That was very distracting. The idea of going back to Indy at this younger age. The the one pushback about recast, I think it would have created a debate of like, oh, just use this actor to continue to torture. Maybe this is a he wasn't he didn't capture, you know, I think of Han Solo of who they hired to do him. It's like, oh, he's not the real indie. So I think that was the biggest pushback there. But Mm -hmm. I would have been okay with one of my favorite openings in this entire franchise is The Last Crusade when we get a younger indie when he was, you know, played by. You know, uh, uh, Phoenix um, uh, Rivers, who I thought did a great yeah, job as right. an indie. I would have loved if we wouldn't gotten another kind of teenage indie if you wanted to recast the character but not make him an adult and just bring it back even that further back so you don't have to have right. this whole debate about de-aging or deep faking. But at the essence of it, I did love the scene because it was very much so. I'm a big fan of Temple of Doom, which is the most darkest of the franchise. Mm-hmm. It felt dark. It felt kind of dire. And then, you know, we were dealing with Nazis, which is just a very common trope within this franchise. But I, I mm-hmm. liked the scene and what Indy was doing and him with Toby Jones trying to get the, um, the artifact. But it was kind of distracting with the voice and the whole visual looks of it. But once I got kind of past those elements, I really did enjoy this kind of cold opening. I think it's the longest opening of any of the Indiana Jones films as well. Because uh, you guys have the, seen it uh, more recently. Um, or I guess we, Zach saw it, I know, yesterday. Was um, ha, uh, Mods also de-aged? Because he's also doing a time jump. That's the the other thing about it. I don't yeah. really feel like he was, or if he was, it was much less. Ages like and fine wine. Toby Jones did not look like he was de-aged at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's my boy Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Toby just looks great. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. It, it, did, it did also feel a bit inconsistent, and maybe that's like a nitpick, but it's also something that I think maybe blocks that opening moment from feeling like, like fully realized. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But it does... Is, is our introduction, as you were mentioning, to Mads Mikkelsen, who is kind of the big bad of this movie, playing a form, former Nazi scientist who has his own ideas of how uh, the Third Reich should have ended. But, uh, Art, did you enjoy the performance from our boy Mads? Oh, I, Mads is never bad. Yeah. yeah. His story is a little goofy, um, <laughs> but I've loved how people have been coming out pretty much saying that he's that fallen soldier who just you know he thinks he could have fixed hitler uh there's this one line that he has early on as this, uh, one of the survivors from the opening incident where they're seeking this dial of destiny that's supposed to maybe or maybe not time travel where he doesn't see world dial. war Two. yeah yeah he doesn't see it as a as a loss per se or or more so he says it's not a win for america it's just a loss for hitler that's all it oh, is the, the and conversation to him it, he had with the server yeah. The, yeah, and like to him, it's still a continued thing. And, and at first I was confused with um, the, his team that he was putting together after the fact because obviously it's taking place during the 60s and you have a lot of groups that were on the rise at that point. But do you, they also have a character who is supposed to be a CIA agent. And at first she's working with them. I, I'm, I'm blinking on the character's name as I search it up right here. Oh, the Pam Guerrero uh, character. Yeah, was she Mason? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to say it's Mason. 
I, I was a little confused as like, how are you that deep with them, but you haven't really discovered who they are? How are you getting duped in this way? Um, but they're really just trying to uh, use their science to help America get to the moon mm-hmm. because they're trying to beat them, not in space travel, but in time travel. Uh, yeah, it's and, a little it's, it's convoluted of like a like an introduction yeah. to that. But they also, and, and maybe we're like delving a little bit into uh, to spoiler territory here. They like oh, kind of quickly wean things down a little to like. I used the dial of destiny it's, to it's go back. It's just the Nazis left. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. They gave me one at the screening as well. I don't think it's fully like the Dial of Destiny, <laughs> but it's supposed to take you back. Uh, I wish I hated the movie because then I would have said, oh, I wish I got my time back. But uh, it's, it's decent. It's decent enough. It's decent just like this little, little gift that they gave us. But it, it, I'm a big time travel uh, fanatic. Same, and same. look, they could have they could have done some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they keep it tame. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Once we get to spoilers, I'll have more to say to that. But I think it's a very interesting premise in terms of, uh, as Elliot put it, which I thought was a perfect way, uh, of it's almost his past and the past movies and those villains coming back once again, which you know can have even bigger ripple effects and, and not even metaphors, just straight up uh, allusions to today. So, uh, do you enjoy returning to the the Nazi well? Is that just like tradition of the franchise for for this Elliot? Yeah, it is a very much so from, um, you know, the Raiders and, and, of course, going into the Last Crusade and, of course, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which we will not mention. Um, but, yeah, no, I did enjoy Mads. He's he's fantastic. I will say as far as characteristics, I wish they would have leaned more into his ideologies, especially that conversations you mentioned mm-hmm. when he was in the hotel. It's like, oh, this is a guy who understands the flaws and, and the person that they've been, you know, uh, standing behind for all those years with Hitler, but he also has this kind of, his own idea of how he can shape and reshape history of his sort. So I wish they would have leaned a little bit more heavier into the Max uh, character, because villain-wise, in the Indiana Jones films, they villains have memorable moments, but none of them have as much depth as obviously Indy. Yeah. But I thought Mads had a little bit more than your, your typical villain, mm-hmm. as well as his henchmen, Boyd uh, Holbrook, who works with, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Mangle with Logan, they seem to have a good working yes, relationship. Sir. But Mads was Mads was an example, but also Boyd, where I feel like the, the script didn't give them a ton to work with, but mm-hmm. they gave me more in their roles than what you might have typically seen from henchmen and, and their, you know, and the, the person they're following. So I would I would give them kudos to giving me more in the role than what the, the story yeah. would have gave them or the script would have gave them. <laughs> I do kind of like, you know, we've seen movie movie Nazis a lot. But I don't yeah. think we've seen a lot of people who are like respect to Hitler, but I could have been more evil. <laughs> like that's yeah. a, that's a unique <laughs> position to take <laughs> for sure. And that you know it doesn't doesn't uh, end up getting like maybe a lot more screen time than to to kind of yeah. do that. And you know I, I liked I kind of liked that it eventually ends up in this interesting place where Indy kind of questions him too. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Not the most most memorable villain, but I think there's some interesting layers to to it as well. Um, other new additions to the cast include Phoebe Waller Bridge as Helena Shaw, uh, Jones's goddaughter. Uh, Elliot, what did you think about uh, Helena and also just Phoebe's presence in the role? I'm a Phoebe fan. So Same. I'll just say that. Once in generational. Yeah, man. Killing Eve, Fleabag. Uh, she's just great, man. Uh, having her hands and writing the latest James Bond. I think she is a talented individual. And I really enjoyed her presence in this film. Like, 
I, this is the last time I'll mention, mention Keenum the Crystal Skull. That movie <laughs> has indie <laughs> moments, but it feels like one of those situations where you think you see someone you know from a far distance and you're trying to get their attention, but they just turn around and you're like, oh, you're Damn. not who I thought you were. And that's how I feel about Keenum the Crystal Skull. Like, <laughs> no one fit within that world to me, even indie at times. But the thing about this film, I feel like all the characters, including Phoebe as Helena, they fit in the world. They feel like they feel perfectly in this Indiana Jones franchise and, and all the characters we've come to love. And the thing I love about her character, I love Marion, you know, obviously Indy's first love. I love uh, Willie from Temple of Doom and even Elena from, um, you know, the, uh, the Last Crusade. But she has her own agency. She is able to handle her own. She's not a dandel in distress. She can, uh, she's just as capable in some sense as far as figuring things out due to who her father was with Toby Jones' character. So I really enjoyed her character and I love the banter she has with Indy. It reminds me very much so of, again, the kind of the Last Crusade with, uh, you know, Sean Connery and his son and, and just the natural charisma and chemistry they had. I felt the same way about Mr. Uh, Harrison Ford and collaborating with Phoebe. Like, they just really worked well on screen and you felt as though, even though you couldn't trust her at some points in the film, you knew that she cared for Indy and the same with Indy, with him being uh, her granddad and their back and forth and the, kind of the tension they've had over the years and looking at Indy and not giving too much away, but he lost something pretty special to him which ties into the last film and it's almost like she was almost a pseudo replacement of her sorts like a daughter mm-hmm. uh, you know from what he lost and i i think that he kind of saw that as a as a, a redo or a rehash again this is all about fixing the past i think he kind of used elena as someone that he can kind of fix the past and kind of right his wrongs for um not being there for the person he lost and and not doing the same thing with uh, his granddaughter so i, I really like their chemistry a lot yeah, I mean, daughter, goddaughter, goddaughter. Sorry, goddaughter. Yeah, okay. I want to make sure. Yeah, I mean, I I think that they play pretty well off of one another. I think for me, one of the things that I I rubbed up against with Helena is I I was I found their depiction of her as like interested in history versus like self interested in making profit to kind of like be wavering throughout the film in a way that didn't. I had a little bit of a hard time pinning down at least like what we're supposed to make of her or what even uh, Indiana makes of her in a lot of it. And it also just ends up putting Indiana in a in more of like a fatherly role than I guess we are used to him uh, being in even maybe more curmudgeonly than he he normally is. Uh, But. You know, she she is really charming. I I enjoy her presence on, on screen, even if she runs about as slowly as Harrison does in a lot of these scenes. Um, you were, were you on, uh, were you enjoying Phoebe's performance in this one, uh, Arturo or not as much? Oh, I mean, I'm, yeah. again, I think all three of us here are big Phoebe fans. So for mm-hmm. that, I, I mean, I'm going to be completely on her side in terms of the character she builds. I yeah. do agree with Zach in terms of like her coming into a franchise for Indiana Jones Having lines, I don't know when we're getting into a little bit more spoilers, but this Let's is kind of just Let's go full spoilers, because I think we, we might as well start sooner than later. As someone who enjoys the work that she's done, and Elliot has brought up, she's come in and she's done rewrites for 007. Uh, I want to say it's the uh, writer from um, Malignant and the most recent, uh, Megan, who was talking about how there's like three writers, female writers, who do this thing called a female pass to a bunch of scripts, and that's like the bread and butter of their writing. Phoebe's at the top of that list. She knows how to come in 
and uh, make certain side characters more relatable that are not going to age. Mm. At the same time, there is almost like this push and pull of what she's also done in 007. Another 007 maybe taking the role, but not really. We'll see how that works out. Mm-hmm. Another Indiana Jones granddaughter maybe can, or goddaughter maybe kind of taking it, maybe not. There's uh, a multitude of lines where she's talking about the mark. You know, it's this feeling of choice where someone thinks they're in charge, yeah. but they're not really in charge. Yeah. There's other lines where she's talking to Teddy going, Teddy, come on. We're st- I'm still in charge. Come on, be for real. And a multitude of those lines t- sometimes feel like it's this push and pull like Zach was saying of who's trying to take charge of the movie and yeah. with a movie called indiana jones there is kind of we, we kind of talked about this in the weekly show where if you're on your fifth movie 30 plus years in you have your luke skywalkers you have the batman character also as well where they're going to play almost a backseat to the younger cast the younger characters who are going to come in and many people don't want to see that so i'm okay with it from that perspective of like well yeah i did I can't think of any older person other than, like, what, Maverick, who is going to be the one who gets the job done, minus anybody else who's going to get in the way. But for indie fans who always want to see him have the, like, final decision all the time, uh, the movie does kind of play with that. And and, and almost having a a Vin Diesel, The Rock, 50-50 split on if he saves her, then you know the next one's going to be hers. Then the next one's going to be his. And they do kind of play it. Uh, in that sense, to me, from the first watch that I had. But I'm also a Phoebe fan, and there are a lot of moments where the quips between her and Harrison Ford, they just work. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about the plot of the film. As we we were alluding to, there's the Archimedes dial uh, that... uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character is trying to assemble in order to travel back in time. Uh, You know, all these Indiana Jones films, while they're firmly action adventures, you do get these, like, sprinkles of of sci-fi thrown in there. Uh, Elliot, you mentioned you like time travel. Did you you like this aspect of it, and did you like uh, where it ended up, and does it feel in line with what you expect from an Indiana Jones movie? Thematically, yes, because it is, again, the whole chasing your past, fixing mm-hmm. your wrongs, that plays into the idea literally going back in time and fixing things for our villain, but also Indy kind of going back to a time where he was in his prime, mm-hmm. uh, as the films you know have shown back in the 30s and whatnot. So thematically, yes, it plays into what we're getting with the film. As far as where we go back in time with kind of the Roman times and, you know, the, the, the Greek mythology that they were trying mm-hmm. to, you know, pl- play into going back into this kind of father paradox of, oh, I made the machine and I can see it actually work. I, I don't know if all that execution worked for me. I think mm-hmm. um, the emotional journey we go on with any of him trying to just I, let me stay here let me die in the past <laughs> and, and again the, you know going back and forth with uh you know how the screen time was shared between him and his granddaughter but i like that the future pulled him back into his reality into his mm-hmm. present day and she was kind of the driving force the spark that kind of brought him back out of retirement so the time again all the themes work for me with the time travel i just don't know execution wise 
because the one thing about Indiana Jones, as you just kind of mentioned, Zach, they pretty much stay grounded in reality. But once we see the artifact getting into the wrong hands, every film has shown us, okay, what does the arc look like? And we right. see all the souls and the disintegrated right in front of Indy, Temple of Doom, hearts being ripped out, Last Crusade, Blood of Christ, and of course, Aliens. Uh, with uh, the, you know, We've always <laughs> seen that. So, And I've always loved that about the Indiana Jones. It's like, we're so grounded, but we're going to take these big swings. Right. And I don't know if the big swing worked for me in this one, uh, as far as like, mm. the execution of it all, of the time travel. But again, I like where it went to the narrative of the film. How about you, Art? There's a point where he's sitting there, and I know it's like a big deal for him because he's Dr. Jones. He, mm-hmm. he yeah. does this explanation at the beginning where he tells uh, his class, he goes, I guess I'll repeat it to you. And then he really repeats it for the audience. When he sees like his idol, there was a, a yeah. certain moment before they time travel where he sees the body of it, and there's a watch. Mm-hmm. And the two guys in front of me, I went to a press screening. So you all know how the press screenings are, right? <laughs> You're already seeing them write their stuff. And they were so worried because they were venting about it still after the, the show that they thought it was going to be Indiana Jones inside <laughs> the casket because it's technically his watch. I, I don't know if there's alternates to it. You know, if they pulled some mm-hmm. sort of Spider-Verse out there and there's, there's multiple takes of it. I'm glad they did not go that way. Yeah. But there was one aspect of it where he's, like, really excited to have gone to his past, as yeah. Elliot has put it. And he's sitting there, and he's looking at it, and he's, like, in wonder. He's in awe, and he finds it so intriguing. And all I could think was, is that war far enough removed that if they would have gotten to World War II, would he be sitting there kind of looking at it going, wow, it's the spectacle of it all. It's almost like that push and pull of like, how far away is it that we don't know any of the descendants that you can sit there as like people are getting blown up into pieces? It's this mixture of goofiness, yeah. yet oh, I guess also the awe of it. Um, I did find it hilarious when um, Helena, mm-hmm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, is arguing with the mathematician. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. There is something funny about that. I'm going to let you finish. Um, Indy, we have to go home. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, it was so goofy. I liked it. Yeah, you know what? But I, can, I, I was enjoying it while I, while I know people are going to hate it, though. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, I can already see people just, just throwing a fit about uh, Indy not being able to have the final say. Yeah, I, I feel like it's not going to be particularly well received. And when it first yeah. happened, I was kind of like, this is this is absurd, like, even for Indiana Jones, this is absurd. But maybe it is something about Harrison Ford's performance, but that that moment where he is just sort of taking it all in and, oh, this is the history that I studied, and now I'm right, here. Right. I, I there, There's something, like, that earnestly got me there. I, I was more moved by that than I was all the other, like, fan service moments that come, came after it. I kind of bought into it by by the end of that whole scene. And yeah, like you mentioned that whole moment of uh, Phoebe arguing with Archimedes, I thought was pretty hilarious. <laughs> you know? It's funny hearing you say it too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, just I, like, I agree. It, it is a moment that takes the control maybe a little out of Indiana Jones's hands, but I don't know. Sometimes that happens in these series, and I, I thought it was like an oddly tender I, I'm moment. I'm fine with that. It's also yeah. like... W- more than most of what happened in the rest of the movie, I thought it was like a bold choice that I didn't expect. Very much so. You know? Yeah. And and sometimes I can respect just like a bold choice like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's just too, just thinking of the character, 
in all the previous films. Like, yeah, he's in awe seeing an alien, seeing the blood of Christ, but it's not. It's like we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. This was the first time he actually actually savored in the moment, and mm-hmm. again, just, he's at this point of his life where he can maybe appreciate something right. in the moment, in his past, or in the past in history, and how much he's obsessed with history. So it was a a sense of like a character moment for Andy that we've never seen this side, that vulnerability, that wonder of this explorer who's always exploring things and never seems to be fully happy with the conclusion Satisfied. of what he found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So him being able to actually revel in this and and have the moment to look back at things that he's studied for all these years was a very a very satisfying moment for the character i think definitely you know harrison ford should be in a over 50 bracket of yeah. the best movie stars <laughs> yeah, i think he's got to be one of our go best movie rounds. stars 50 or so. easily yeah. <laughs> um Elliot, you alluded to the fact that they sort of bring to a close the the mutt storyline in this film yeah. Uh, but they also bring back Karen Allen in the final moments of this movie as sort of a, a nice little send off perhaps to the franchise and the character. Yeah. Uh, do you like that moment? Was it, was it too fan servicey or was it just the right amount? <laughs> no, I think it was a good closing of a particular chapter. Cause I know for four, a lot of people weren't the biggest fans of mud and his involvement, but I think, you know, I'm not, and I'm not a big fan of like off-screen deaths, but I wasn't mm-hmm. the biggest fan of that character, so I was fine that they weren't <laughs> brought back. Gotta but go. it does speak to Indy and losing his father, but also losing his son, and he's still here, and you know, he kind of has that. And then that was the emptiness. That was what got him off of, kind of off his uh, off the, the path of being the hero that we all love is him losing his son, and he has that really. And again, Harrison Ford does a really some really good. Uh, dramatic moments when he's talking about if I had the chance to go back in time, I would tell my son to not go to the war and, and, and lose his life in doing so. So I do like how they tied that very divisive character from four and kind of give a little bit of closure to the character. But Marion being brought in was, was a sweet moment because they are just from Raiders to seeing her return, even in uh, um, the kingdom of the temp- of the Christmas school. It was nice to see her, but also my favorite bringing back character was Sala. I'm a big fan of Sala. I yes, love sir. that character. He didn't want to come back for the fourth one because it was just going to be literally a cameo. So he was he came back in this one because they did give him a little bit more to do. So mm. there is that that fan servicey nostalgia, uh, you know, trope that they play in the film. But I think it worked narratively for the characters to have a bit of closure uh, with his son, but also having that kind of rekindle of his love with uh, with Miriam. I like how he showed up ready to join him, too. Like, he's he had his costume ready. He's ready to go. <laughs> waiting for this for years. Right. Give him hell, Indy. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the best ones from the trailer, too. Uh, Antonio Banderas also, I yeah. thought, did a pretty interesting job coming in here because this is a movie where we had talked about in our weekly show as well. James mangled so many bodies. That, that's been my review for it. I was, <laughs> I was not expecting a Disney movie this late to have that big of a body count. And especially some big names, some people close to him. I, even the way some of the bad guys die, I think is pretty gruesome. Um, that that's why you know mixing in some of the practicals to what would be CG when they go hard, they go hard in my opinion, and mm-hmm. I really like that about it. Yeah, uh, Elliot. Any other other aspects we haven't touched on yet? Uh, you know, we didn't mention Toby Jones, who I think is one of my my favorite character actors. Has a fun small role in the beginning of this. You uh, shouted out Boyd Holbrook earlier. Anything else that we should touch on before we wrap this up 
I will say I do wish to film because one of the things that makes Indiana Jones so cool is the central locations of going to different parts of the world. And yeah. we didn't do it necessarily in this one. And we, we traveled across with Peru and all the different stuff. We, but I wish they would have used the 60s more uh, as far as just the time period that we were right. in. We, we spend time with, Great. you know, the space race and all the stuff. He's retiring from, uh, you know, being a professor and all that. But I wish that was a little bit more prominent. And I got to say... I wish Short Round was in this film. I don't know what it is that I just felt like Short Round would have been just a, a nice I'm, little ice. Because we do get a Short Round-ish yeah. character because she has her yeah. little sidekick. I'm honestly uh, surprised they didn't annoying. find room for a cameo somewhere. Me too, man. I know people, the timing of it all when obviously they met up at the Oscars and everything everywhere once. The Indy was already in the can at that point. But I, I just wish there was some synergy, some reshoot, something that could have had him. Uh, involved because that is one of my, if I'm being honest that's my favorite side character in mm-hmm. Indiana Jones films is short mm-hmm. round um, so I just wish that there was a way to bring him into the narrative uh, but that may that might have been too fan servicey but I think I would have been okay with it because I love short maybe round. in the press greetings once the movie comes out that last 10 second he might pull up in a car <laughs> <laughs> and his tooth falls off he'd be like oh my gosh it's short round yeah, but, no, but just, I think we touched on all the, the main points uh, for the film. But yeah, short round was was missed. Yeah, that short would round. that would have been nice. <laughs> I would not have uh, minded that bit of fan service at least. Uh, are anything else that we didn't mention? You know, um, I think one thing that Elliot spoke to that I, I agree with is you know you get that sort of globe trotting adventurer mm-hmm. feel from a lot of these movies, and whether it's because the more limited locations, maybe as a result of some like COVID delays and stuff like that, or maybe it's because a lot of the movie is digital and that when we actually do uh, go overseas, like it doesn't necessarily feel as like on the streets as a lot of the previous movies have. Is that something else that you missed from these films or is there uh, something else we should touch on? No, I mean, I agree with all that. I'm I'm curious more so what you guys think of the ending. And again, we keep talking about this being like the last goodbye. And I think it is a really good ending to have it wrap up with uh, him and his wife kind of getting back together. Yeah. Because they have like one picture of her throughout the whole movie. It's just one little picture that, that's there in the World War II train seat. And then he has it in his uh, refrigerator when he covers yeah. it up. But I thought that was like a, a good moment of him kind of coming back, leaving it open-ended, having the whole... You know, shot of him going back for the uh, for his hat, and I'm curious if you guys, knowing how big the franchise is, if it doesn't continue with him as the lead, are you cool with him coming back as a side lead? Are you cool with some sort of spinoff or any other characters, a prequel, I, or do you agree with uh, Harrison who says, I believe he was on the record, it ends with me and no one, no one else. So, <laughs> Ellie, why don't you start for us solo, off? but. Honestly, I think there's an opportunity to to put a cap on Harrison Ford and the legacy of the character. Why not explore animation? Why not mm. allow Indiana Ooh. Jones, Disney Plus animated show? You know, we're we're in this very good creative space with Into the Spider Verse, Across Spider Verse, and you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in April. I think there's a uh, I think there's an opportunity to maybe continue the story in an animated form, uh, and and give it time to breathe and who's to say in 20 30 years from now we have a reimagining of the character of resorts uh played by you know another whoever the big actor is in that time but i think there's, a, there's an opportunity to allow indiana to, to to live in animated form for a little bit and really have some other crazy other adventures whether it's in indy's 
earlier days, like we got with uh, the the Last Crusade, and I know there was an Indiana Jones TV series for a while. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Indy on on the uh, animated form. I love My that thought. suggestion, partially because like it's so hard to recreate the magic, and especially when people are so eager to compare to like what mm-hmm. was before it. I think mm-hmm. y- you know you try to cra- cast somebody like Chris Pat- Pratt. And yeah. even if Chris Pratt does like an amazing job, they will still be people who are like he's not in, he's not Harrison Ford, he's not my Pratt's Indiana mom. Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas animation maybe does give it the chance to sort of break free from that direct comparison. So I like that path forward a lot more than them just trying to scrape together the remaining nostalgia that people have for this franchise around, you know, like a, a Phoebe Waller-Bridge spinoff. I think if we can, if we want to give Phoebe Waller-Bridge an action adventure, let's give her her own franchise, not the yeah. the remnants of this one. Mm-hmm. Animated, teen, indie, voiced by 80-year-old Harrison Ford. I'm in. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Let's do it. I love it. All right, so um, I think that's about all for Indiana Jones. Uh, Elliot, you sound like you're a pretty in- enthusiastic re- re- recommendation, maybe some reservations. Yeah, I would say if you are a fan of the franchise, I think you will be able to find the sentiments and the endearing nature that James Mangle tried to put an emphasis on the character and properly have there goodbye. So I think it's definitely something for the fans to see. I wouldn't necessarily say this is if this is your first time being introduced to the character that you have to run out to go see it, just because there is a lot of like just history that might not appeal to someone that's new to the franchise. But the diehards and the people that really have come to love this character, I think it's definitely something to check out when it comes to theaters and uh, enjoy it on the big screen. Because I, I will say, see it on the big screen too, because I've only seen uh, the fourth one and now the fifth, and those are the only two I saw in theaters. I would have loved that then, yeah. you know. And, and, and watching the first three in theaters. So I would say I got Indiana you, Jones fans definitely go see this in the theaters. I could take you, you back. Go. You just say the word, man. <laughs> we'll go back to the 70s to watch them. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. maybe a little bit more of a mild recommendation. I, I, I feel like I could wait for it and streaming, partially just because there's so many big action adventures kind of mm-hmm. either coming or that have been in theaters uh, so far this summer, you know, with with stuff yeah. like Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer around the corner. I don't know. It, it just to me, I don't know if this is going to make my list of the best movies of the summer. But, you know, it, it's certainly entertaining. I didn't have a bad time at the theater. I just don't think it's like uh, going to be everybody. A great movie for everybody. Um, Art, is it a, a, a see it in theaters? Is it a stream it? What are you thinking? Hey, it's for it's Fourth of July weekend. You got two weeks before you start getting all the heavy hitters. It's gonna take advantage of the next two weeks until mm-hmm. Mission Impossible comes in. If you're looking to take your whole family for a big movie, yeah, my money's gonna be on Oppenheimer, Barbie, <laughs> even uh, Dead Reckoning Part One. If you want those premium formats, because again, I wish the visuals were a little bit better, but it is worth seeing on the big screen because when it hits, it hits, and the audio mixing I think is really fun. Um, so, you know, w- with the holiday weekend coming up, I think it's worth at least some NA. Uh, go to a discount Tuesdays for it. If not, if you don't care for it, then yeah, it'll eventually be on Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah. But it's not the worst pick that could have been out there. A- at minimum, if it was on VOD, I'd give it the thumbs up. Nice. All right. Well, I think that's about does it for our thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Thanks again to Elliot for joining us. Elliot, where can people catch more from you? 
Well, you guys can find me in the past, present, and future <laughs> on uh, uh, YouTube at Movie Files, talking about the latest TV shows and movies and having a great time doing so. Uh, Art, Zach, it's always a pleasure talking uh, movie Thank stars you. and yeah. the stars in the movies as we did today. So hey. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, but you guys can also find me on uh, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Having a good old time. Awesome. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Elliot, uh, Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at LME Movies over on Instagram, YouTube, Letterboxd, and just the complete opposite of wherever they have those creepy CGI eels that they had in this movie. I, yeah, those were worse than the snakes. <laughs> uh, you can find more from me at Zshevich on Twitter or Letterboxd or at Multiplex Show on YouTube and TikTok. And find more from this podcast at Intercut Pod, whether it's the audio podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever podcatcher you like or our video feed on youtube.com. You can also follow the Intercut Pod on various social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we got TikTok as well. And support our Patreon over at patreon.com slash intercutpod. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, if you want to be a good archaeologist, you got to get out of the library.